Welcome to the Prep Huddle, everybody. I'm KJ Pilcher alongside Jeff Johnson. It is the 2023 football season, and it's upon us. Of course, we're shorthanded. Uh, Jeff Linder, uh, he'll be here for uh, week one, but uh, uh, still finishing up a, a preseason vacation, and uh, we'll be anxious to get Jeff back in the saddle here. Uh, next week in the podcast, but JJ, uh, as Dale Jones always said, the fastest nine weeks of the the quickest nine weeks of the year uh, is starting. There's week zero stuff, but we won't talk about uh, we won't include week zero and in what actually is the start of the football season. I want to know where the summer went, Pilch. Holy cow! Yeah, right. It seems like it. I, we always say that every year. It seems like it goes faster and faster and faster. But yeah, let's let's go. I mean, uh, uh, it doesn't feel like football season. You know, everybody hydrate tomorrow night and Saturday if you're playing Saturday. Um, it's funny that you mentioned uh, you mentioned that because earlier today I was thinking about covered a substate baseball game between Kennedy and Clinton where it had to have been about 60 degrees, cool breeze, and everybody in the Kennedy press box was talking about how this feels like a football Friday night. Um, this week hasn't felt like a football Friday or a football week uh, leading into uh, games, has it? No, I, I, I'm trying to remember back. I don't think any day in the baseball post uh, season or postseason was as hot as, it, as this week's been. So. so it's just – you know, it's just kind of loony that way, but you know, it, it's exciting. This is this is a time of this time of the year. I think we all look forward to, and that you know includes us, includes you and me, um, and Lindy and and everybody. Um, you know, as we go on this journey, this quick journey, as you mentioned together, and built. Uh, you were at a, actually at a week zero game. Uh, we had yeah. some eight, eight player games. It was last cool. Week, right? It was cool yeah. and uh, uh, mild out there. Uh, but yeah, I uh, went out to Springville for the uh, first Friday of competition. Um, I'll refuse to call it Week Zero. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, that's all right. Um, but yeah, went out to Springville for the uh, opener between the Orioles and um, uh, Baxter. Um, you know, uh, Springville returning uh, quite a few uh, uh, players. Um, from a year ago, even though they're still young, I think only one senior, uh, really on their roster, um, which tells you a little something, uh, a lot, a lot of sophomores, um, playing key roles for the Orioles. Baxter won 52-23, but, you know, I, I think it was a little bit closer than what the score really kind of indicates, um. And I know that sounds pretty stupid, but uh, it really was. I think it was a, a six-point game midway through the third quarter. Um, so the Orioles kind of uh, babbled with them a little bit. Um, but Baxter got on a roll. Uh, I think they had a uh, uh, couple big passes. Uh, and that was something that they did right out of the gate. 65-yard bomb on the first play between uh, 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 Parent Solzy, Solzy, um, and then uh, 
uh, to Trayton Travis. Uh, I think there are two Travis brothers, so I had to make sure I had the right one. But Trayton Travis, uh, they connected 13 times for – I had him for 232 yards. I think uh, Baxter had him for a little bit more than that um, officially. So, uh, But, you know, big plays from Baxter allowed them to kind of pull away. Then there was a turnover and a fumble return for a touchdown. And, you know, then we got to a running clock. So, it, you know, that whole uh, anchorman line where he says – well, that ex, you know that escalated quickly. Um, that uh, that certainly uh, came into play there late in the third quarter and early fourth. But um, you know they showed some uh, big playability as well. You know Conlon uh, Rouse, uh, a sophomore for uh, the Orioles, um, he kind of led them and received. He had three uh, catches for seventy-three yards. He was somebody that. Broke his arm last year, uh, was able to come back in like their last game against GMG, um, and played like one quarter of his freshman year. Um, but he was he put in a lot of time in the offseason to get back, and uh, he's kind of got a bright future. I think they can do a lot of good things with him. And of course, uh, they uh, they changed up some formations. Joe Martin ran some uh, kind of tricky. Uh, formations and, and had some uh, maybe unorthodox plays that uh, uh, they were able to capitalize on. So uh, that would be something to kind of keep an eye on um, how Rouse does. They have uh, three guys at quarterback that uh, threw passes. Uh, Mason Hoy uh, led the way with 44 yards. He uh, completed three of five passes. Um, he also ran for 65 yards, so another good athlete there for for the Orioles. Um, you know, Baxter came off a really good season last year, um, and they had to, to reload a little bit. It looks like they did. Um, but I know Joe Martin was really uh, pleased with just the effort and the fight that they had. You know, they're still young. They're still learning. Um, I think they're going to get a couple wins this season, um, but they're just so young and and uh, they have a tough schedule um, in front of them. So it'll be interested to, interesting to see how those things go. And actually, there are a few more games uh, along with that as far as area teams uh, go. Um, Lone Tree went to Parkview Christian Academy, I believe is in Illinois, right? Yep. Uh, they came away with a 54-16 victory uh, there. Uh, see, uh, uh, actually, Bell Plain played Clarksville. Uh, Bell Plain uh, is an eight-man team, right? Yeah, first first year is an eight-man school or okay. eight-player school. Yep. Kind of interesting there. Uh, Clarksville edged them 34-32. Uh, English Valley, uh, you know, the uh, Bears were a big winner. They beat Cal Wheat 62-48. And then Iowa Valley beat BGM 48-30. So two good area uh, eight-man programs um, facing off there in the, the first week of competition. I think that was Cal, Wheat, Cal Wheat's first game. I think they'd oh, run out. Really? 
I think they'd run a a JV or kind of a pseudo JV exhibition um, scheduled the previous two years to kind of build up to build up to this point. So um, it's nice to see. I mean, that's a school that's never had football, uh, period. So really, I, did, I didn't realize that they have never had a football program until now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, and I, I mean, it's, it's not a super small school. I don't think by, by any stretch, it's not a big school, obviously, but, um, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, uh, you know, those kids, I suppose they fed into what North Cedar, I think would probably be, probably be the nearest school district, but, uh, yeah, decided to have their own football program. So kudos to Cal Wheat. Um, you know, hopefully they'll get a, they'll get a win here before this, this season concludes. Yeah. So, uh, uh, in that, uh, interesting thing there, two, uh, two players from each team had seven touchdowns. Miles uh, Grove for English Valley's, uh, went for seven scores. And then, uh, Braden, I'm going to probably butcher his last name, Braden Svedja, uh, S-V-E-J-D-A. So, um, he had seven touchdowns for Cal Wheat. Wow. Yep, a lot Don't of, see uh, that. Scoring and yeah, how how'd you like to to set a school record out of the gate like that? Seven <laughs> touchdowns. Even though it's eight player, you know, seven touchdowns could you know, it's certainly yeah. within striking distance. Exactly. Um, player and the teams and everything. Um so yeah, so a little bit of action uh, uh, from that from last Friday. Uh, of course, it feeds into this week, uh, week one, um, the big one. And of course, if you go to our uh, uh, website, thegazette.com, you can see all of our preseason uh, stories and our features from each class, uh, district breakdowns from uh, Jeff Linder as well. So. Uh, you can go there and uh, uh, catch up on all our preseason if you haven't been following along already. And, of course, one of those stories um, is in Class 5A. Um, you got out to Cedar Rapids, Kennedy. Uh, pretty neat story about one of their uh, additions. Um, uh, a big lineman that uh, has a pretty, uh, pretty interesting story. Yeah, Kennedy. Um, Kennedy feels like it's going to have a really good team, and um, you know, re- part of the reason for the optimism is is uh, Nick Brooks, Nikolai Brooks, uh, his formal name. Um, six eight, three hundred eighty five pounds with a size seventeen shoe. Um, he is a massive human being, and he <laughs> he can move. He can dunk a basketball easily. Um, he can pull. You know, on <laughs> counter plays and things like that, according to, to Coach Brian White. Uh, you know, he's a kid that that went that grew up here in Cedar Rapids, went to Harding Middle School with with most of the kids. He's a junior, uh, you know, with most of the kids on this on this uh, Kennedy team, and um, you know, then went to Georgia for a couple of years. Uh, you know, he, he's had um. A tough family life, um, no question about that. Um, you know, uh, 
a lot of different things going on there. He's got 17 siblings and step siblings. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of challenges in his young life so far. He went down to Georgia. Um, uh, an aunt took him down there. Uh, she got parental rights. Took him down there for a couple of years, and uh, you know he worked. Uh, he worked with Brandon Jacobs, the old NFL running back, the Giants. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Who has a son? A son that's his age. Um, kind of trained him and and uh, took him under his wing a little bit. Went to a school down there and and really showed out and uh, kind of proved uh, that that he's a big time, uh, potentially a big time football player. And he's a he's a four star guy, offensive lineman. Um, everybody wants him. Alabama's offered, Georgia's offered, Clemson, um, Iowa here, uh, things like that. So I mean, everybody wants him. Uh, he's got massive size and, and ability to go with it. And, uh, you know, he wanted to come back home and there's some, some factors that, that kind of led him back here. And, um, Kennedy's glad to have him. He's been a great addition. He, he knows all these kids. So he's fit in very well. Uh, they provided him that, you know, that family structure, I think that, that he really needs, uh, you know, as a young man. And, uh, it's going to be really interesting to, to see, to see him and to watch him. Uh, Kennedy's got Dowling right away on Saturday night at Kingston Stadium. So, uh, I mean, there's nothing like a battle. Of, what, two of the top 10, certainly two of the top 10 teams in the state, maybe two of the top five, uh, depending on, on on whose rankings you want to go by, uh, you know, right there on Saturday night. So uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun out there. And uh, I think people need to keep an eye out for Nikolai Brooks. You can't miss him. <laughs> yeah, Dowling certainly will be a great gauge, um, you know, for for him as an individual leading things up front for for Kennedy, but for the Cougars as a whole, uh, you know, one of those uh, a nice early season tests that you can certainly learn a lot from and, and really, you know, uh, uh, use as a springboard. Uh, now, remind me, how big was he that, that you said? How big was he? Six eight three eighty five, and you, and Whitey says he's going to be pull. He can pull. He can. Pull. How would you like to be on the train tracks with that guy getting a full head of steam coming at you around the end? If I was a scraping linebacker, um, I may want to make sure my uh, my life insurance was paid up full. <laughs> make how sure my you, parents, you know, you know if, you, if you're a defender, how do you how do you um try and deal with a guy that big seriously Bill. you mean you know football you played it i have no idea i wasn't uh uh i remember running into joe mitchell um in a practice and got bounced uh 10 yards away i think um <laughs> once so my my suggestion is try to get around him but if he's that quick and can move good luck with that too um but yeah, you're definitely going to have to try to avoid taking him head on, that's for sure, with that size and if he can move. My goodness. Um, Kennedy, uh, uh, Kennedy, one of the top returning teams uh, in 5A. Um, one of the other ones in the area, Iowa City High, coming off a, a stellar season last year. Uh, they've got some holes to fill, but – you know, they kind of have an interesting matchup here 
on uh, on Friday. Uh, if you check out J.R. Ogden's story at thegazette.com uh, about that, uh, they uh, faced Joliet Catholic out of uh, Illinois, kind of a, uh, maybe a little bit of an unusual meeting or an uncommon meeting. Um, according to, to JR's story, uh, Mitch Moore said Joliet Catholics sent out feelers. They like to take one out of state trip for a game um, each year. And the minute uh, they reached out to City High, uh, Moore jumped at the opportunity. That's an that's one of the top teams, or top programs uh, in Illinois. Um, I believe JR mentioned that, uh, uh, just kind of looking here, uh, according to their website, 34 state national championships. Uh, they have an Illinois record, 15 sanctioned state titles, um, and they have won 28 of their last 31 games uh, Mitch Moore mentioned that uh, he said it's uh, uh, bringing a little juice to the program. Uh, so let's bring some excitement. And they'll get uh, uh, a lot of pageantry and history with uh, uh, Joliet coming to, to Bates Field. Um, and, uh, you know, why not? Why, why not have a, a game like that to to start off and, um, you know, it'd be fun. And you like to see these big matchups like uh, City High, Joliet, uh, Kennedy Dowling on a Saturday at Kingston, which I really like the idea of Saturday games at Kingston. Um, I can remember back because I think of whether they had uh, a Kennedy-Linmar game uh, once at Kingston on a Saturday, which was really cool. Um, I just kind of like uh, the idea of those special matchups uh, early in the season. Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many good ones. Mike Allstott, by the way, uh, I know you remember him, the old Buccaneers. Oh, yeah, back. Battering Ram. Yes, he was a Joliet oh, Catholic grad. So, um, I did not know that. He's, uh, it's a great program there. I can't even remember how many classes there are in Illinois, more than there are here. Um, Julia Cat, yeah, they're not in the biggest class in Illinois, but um, you know, not right around the middle, but it's a great program. And like you mentioned, Pilch, we got so many great games on week one. Um, you know, around here, Prairie and Cedar Falls are playing right away. Um, you know, Liberty and Iowa City West. Um, Aiken, he said, Liberty. Tenio and Aiken. Liberty um, now a 5A. Liberty now a 5A school. Yeah, that's a great point. First year in 5A for Liberty. Um, you mentioned City High and, and Joliet Catholic. Um, you know, uh, Valley and Southeast Polk play right away. I mean, let's go, right? You know, let's yeah. let's Nothing like, you know, enough of the, the patsies on week one for teams that are supposed to be really good. We've got so many enticing matchups in 5A um, in week one. It's, it's pretty incredible, and it, it's going to be really fun to, to see who wins these games and, and um, you know, who, who stakes a claim early in the season to, you know, to being among the state's best in 5A. And you mentioned a lot of these teams, but we'll run down the Gazette's preseason uh, poll in, in 5A. You got uh, number one Southeast Polk. Uh, 
uh, with 57 points and five first place votes. The other first place vote went to West Des Moines Dowling, who we mentioned will be at Kingston on Saturday. Uh, they're at number two. Cedar Falls coming to Prairie uh, here uh, in week one. Uh, John Wallfield. Uh, and I understand there's going to be a little bit of a tribute to John Bubble Randall's. Uh, kind of got goosebumps just Very nice. Very mentioning nice. it. So uh, look forward to being out there. I'll be out there for that. Um, and kind of look forward to that tribute to one of the, the great, great guys uh, and uh, sports uh, yep. uh, kind of supporters and announcers out there yep. uh, as well. Uh, Johnston comes in at number four. Then we got West Des Moines Valley at number five. Uh, then Kennedy and City High back-to-back at six and seven. Um, Pleasant Valley, number eight. Number nine, Waukee Northwest, and then Linmar uh, rounding out the top ten. Ankeny, Ankeny, Centennial, Ames, Waukee, Liberty, who you'll be covering uh, at West, and then Cedar Rapids, Prairie, all receiving votes in Class 5A. Uh, Linmar is certainly a team to, to kind of keep an eye on yep. uh, as well. And the Lions will start their season at Dubuque Senior um, this Friday. Let's shift to uh, Class 4A, and since we're talking about rankings, we'll run down the top uh, uh, 10 in Class 4A. Uh, number one, with it's kind of interesting with the first-place votes, too. Um, Cedar Rapids, Xavier, uh, the returning uh, or defending uh, state champs, uh, they're number one. Uh, they received two first-place votes. And then there's a tie at second. With Bondurant Ferrar, which received one first place vote, and then Council Buffalo Central ended up with more first place votes than anybody with three. Uh, the uh, state runner up from a year ago, um, and then what was it uh, 2021 champion um, there as well? Uh, then you've got the ADM who's moved up a class, North Scott. Uh, Western Dubuque, Glenwood, Newton, Waverly, Shellrock. Uh, Newton and Waverly, Shellrock tied for eighth, and then North Polk finishing out the top ten. And then you've got Carlisle, Dallas Center, Grimes, Lamars, Ballard, Burlington, um, and Marion all receiving votes. Uh, interesting with Marion, um, they start on the road at uh, Clear Creek Amana. Actually, they're on the road uh, the first two weeks. And they don't get their first home game in their brand new stadium until week three. Um, I think week two they're at Benton, um, but uh, you know the the Wolves, uh, brand new stadium. Um, talked to uh, uh, some of the players and the team, and they talked about the benefits of having this uh, facility. Obviously, in the spring it got christened with uh, a track and. Uh, soccer games but now football uh it'll be a whole different atmosphere uh they say goodbye to the historic uh uh thomas park i'm sure there's some bittersweet feelings uh maybe from uh some of the past uh marion players and community members because you know that was such a nostalgic place to play for them but uh no more bus rides down the hill to <laughs> To that stadium and they have this nice great facility the thing i thought was interesting talking to uh, michael joiner uh the coach at uh, marion 
the infill is not rubber it's wood oh really and that, yeah and uh that surprised me i didn't realize you know that was something they did i mean i immediately think wood i think coarse hard you yeah. know gonna get torn up but um apparently uh it works and it keeps it cooler so like this week when we've had this big heat wave, it's like 10 to 15 degrees cooler, which, you know, even though a lot of teams have shifted to practicing uh, when the sun's not out, either seven to nine at night or early in the morning um, anyway, but just a lot of, a lot of great opportunities for uh, uh, the wolves to get on there. They don't have to worry about rain or anything like that. We did have like a little small time where it rained really hard in a short amount of time. And Joyner said, we probably would have come out to practice and they would have been telling us, oh, you can't use this part of the field. You can't use this area. And usually that's the area where we have it chalked up with lines and running certain things that we need those lines. And uh, they don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, so that's kind of nice. And they actually only have two games on grass this year. Uh, when wow. they go up to uh, Waverly Shell Rock and to Decora. Um, those are two natural surfaces that they'll still have to play on. And Joyner said that they have a little grass area um, to uh, uh, practice on to get ready for that. Um, but uh, the Wolves are coming off a five and four record, their first winning season in about six years. Uh, they've won their last three games, and they're like, remember, did they get leapfrogged by? Cedar Rapids, Washington. Yeah. Um, for that last playoff spot, so that was an early season loss that yeah. ended up affecting them. Um, so they were really close to making the uh, the playoffs. They have to replace Alex Moda, obviously. Uh, Caleb Deers, uh, junior quarterback. He's uh, he's somebody that has made some big strides, and they're going to rely on a lot. And then you've got Trey Frank, a big. Uh, a uh, big part of their success, he's a middle linebacker, fullback. They're going to be leaning, leaning heavily on him on both sides of the ball as well. Uh, you know, they've got some guys up front, so it'll be interesting to see how they put things together. But they start at Clear Creek Amana uh, here on week one. And then uh, I want to say maybe Makokita, um for their uh, uh, week three game. Uh, but that's my story at thegazette.com if you want to go look at it. Um, we It'll mentioned Xavier. Go ahead. Sorry, Pilch. I was just going to say, I mean, and that's really interesting and, and a tough game right away for Marion tomorrow night against Clear Creek and Mana. Um, you know, Clear Creek could have a nice, a real nice team. I mean, they got Quentin Tron, who uh, transferred in from City High after playing, you know, quarterback there for a couple of years. Um, he's CCA's new quarterback, so. Um, you know, the Wolves are going to, you know, be tested right away out of the out of the gate, and we'll see. And, boys, hang in there. You will get a home game at your new field. <laughs> but it seemed, you know, it was supposed to happen last year. It just didn't, which was un unfortunate. But, uh, you know, I don't know where the heck everybody's going to park out there, but that's a whole totally separate matter. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, um. And don't forget, Clear Creek Amanda has the club uh, kid, too. Um, club, yeah. yeah. Big guy up front on both sides that uh, 
uh, is a difference maker as well. So, yeah, that'll be a good game. And Mike Condon, uh, our correspondent Mike Condon, will be out at uh, uh, Tiffin uh, for that matchup uh, between the Wolves and the Clippers. Um, and you we were talking about Xavier. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, that's uh, – as we mentioned, Xavier, uh, the Saints are the top-ranked team in our poll in Class 4A. Uh, they're coming off uh, two straight uh, – uh, championship game appearances, winning last year. Uh, obviously, they returned some uh, key guys, including Ronan Thomas. Um, you know, they've got three starters up front that uh, uh, that are going to be key. Uh, you know, they've got uh, some guys on the defensive side, like Eddie Baku, um, as nice. well. That uh, I, I think they're going to be really good up front. Um, and can and do some things in the trenches. They do have a lot of skill guys to to kind of replace with the likes of uh, uh, Aiden McDermott, Michael Cunningham. Um, they're all they were also defensive contributors. Where uh, you know you have uh, uh, like Cunning the, the linebacker core is something that they're going to really have to uh, replace because. Thomas Sundell, um, Cunningham, uh, Joseph Lemker, uh, those guys have graduated. But we've seen it uh, time and time again. Xavier just kind of reloads. Um, you know, you've got coaches like Schulte and O'Connell who have systems uh, that they've been running the entire 26 years uh, they've had at, uh, at Xavier. So, uh, they know how to get those uh, scout team guys to slide in and become starters. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you still got guys like, uh, as we mentioned, Ronan Thomas, who was a, a good leader offensively for them. Uh, Grant Helmley. Um, I think they expect some big things out of guys like uh, Quinn Olson um, as well this year. So, uh, you know, they start with a nice test at Waverly Shell Rock right out of the gates. Um, and then they got Williamsburg at home uh, the following uh, week. So we'll get a good uh, gauge of where they're at here to start the season. But, um, you know, they, uh, they look like they're poised to be able to kind of reload and make another run um, at the Unidome. Speaking of uh, Williamsburg, we'll switch to Class 3A. Um, our rankings in 3A, you've got Mount Vernon, number number one with four first-place votes. Of course, they return um, kind of the the heart and soul of their big passing attack, uh, Romberg, right? Yep, Joey Romberg, yep. Joey Romberg. Um, so uh, uh, they've got uh, some uh, young talent defensively, uh, you know, Jaspers. Uh, he's uh, he was a big player for them uh, last year. I'm sure one of the leaders coming back for the Mustangs. Uh, Williamsburg is number two, moving up from 2A to 3A after being the 2A runner-up last year. Um, they're ranked second in our preseason poll with one first-place vote. Uh, defending champ Harlan, um, who battled Mount Vernon in the finals. Uh, Mount Vernon without Romberg. Um but uh, a heck of a effort by Paul Ryan um, against yep. the Cyclones there. Um, 
but Harlan is number three with one first place vote. Then we go Webster City, Nevada, Humboldt, Solon coming in at number seven, uh, led by Brett White. Uh, number eight, Hampton Dum Dumont Cal. And then uh, tie, a three-way tie for ninth with Clear Lake, Creston, and Independence. Uh, Fort Madison, Sioux Center, Carroll, Davenport Assumption, DeWitt Central, MOC Floyd Valley, West Delaware, Algona, Benton, and Sioux City, Helan, all receiving votes. Um, that's uh, a lot of uh, teams being included right away. Maybe it's a sign of parity in 3A. But Williamsburg. You know, I, I don't think you can really think about Williamsburg at the moment without thinking Derek Weisskopf, uh, the uh, Iowa commit. Um, he's a heck of an athlete, state champion, high jumper, all-state basketball player, uh, all-stater from a year ago, does a little bit of everything. Um, sounds like they're going to expand his role a little bit. Uh, he's been kind of a defensive back and wide receiver. Sounds like they're moving him down to tight end for some packages and uh, at times, and then uh, moving him to linebacker uh, instead of kind of a safety uh, role. And linebacker is where he projects uh, at the University of Iowa too. So um, I think Hawkeye fans will be really interested to kind of get a look at him and uh, – what I thought was really interesting with all these athletic skills and talents he has, right? The one thing Kurt Ritchie said that he thinks will make him really successful as a Hawkeye is the fact that he does have this team first mentality, that he's a competitor. He wants to go out there. It doesn't matter if you have him under center. It doesn't matter if you have him wide, you know, lined, you know, lined up wide, uh, or if you bring him in tight and have him as a, uh, kind of a six blocker uh, there on the line. He'll do it all. It uh, doesn't matter. You know, it's kind of one of those, one of those uh, yes coach kind of, kind of players. You know, we need you to go do this. All right. Yes, coach. That's fine. And, uh, you know, that does translate, uh, you know, especially to the system at uh, Iowa City. So, right. I don't, Phil, does he remind you a bigger version maybe of a, of a Josie Jewel that way? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a six three two ten. Yeah, yep. But yeah, you know, adds those intangibles. Do anything for the team. Um, great team guy. I think, really, I think that's a really good comparison when you talk about that and that competitive nature. Yeah, you know, humble. Um, like you know, we all knew Josie is, was always very humble, and still is apparently. But mm -hmm. uh, you know what? You know, Kurt Ritchie. I mean, he's like. Oh, we're moving up to three A, so let's go play Z West Branch first week, Xavier second week. What the heck, you know? I love that. I mean, it, but that's always been the philosophy. There is schedule tough games before you head into your to your district because it's only going to make you better. And the schedule again is uh, non non district is is incredibly tough for for Williamsburg. Yep, and they're thrown into a pretty tough uh, district too. You know, with yeah. someone being there and. Uh, so that's what, yeah, like you said, it's only going to make them better. And, and we've seen them have like a, you know, one in, th I think it was one in three record the one year and yeah. they end up, you know, then they steamrolled through their district and ended up being a semifinalist. So yeah, they're, they're not, uh, they don't shy away from anything 
And uh, they certainly have a great attitude because they turn that into, uh, you know, a positive kind of going forward. You learn from those uh, games as well. One other thing, too, that they have um, that not a lot of schools have. One, they have this brand new weight facility. So it'll be interesting to see how that may have affected things, uh, you know, more of a, a state-of-the-art facility. I believe their strength and conditioning coach is Mickey Hines. You remember him? Uh, Mount a, Vernon. A standout from Mount Vernon. Uh, played at Cornell. Yeah. Extremely athletic. Unfortunately, he had some knee injuries that ended up uh, really kind of limiting his college career. But he was, uh, when it comes to athletics, uh, athleticism, uh, you know, he was he was always impressive. I think he's uh, helping with the strength and conditioning there um, and coaching. But they also have an NFL, former NFL lineman now on staff. Austin Blythe is retired from the NFL. He's back home. I uh, think sounded like he was maybe a little hesitant about getting into, you know, full-time coaching, but now he's uh, settled in. He likes it. That's only going to help awesome. uh, uh, Williamsburg. And it's funny, speaking of Weisskopf, being down at tight end, He's been working with Blythe about blocking and stuff like that and trying to soak in. He said he's soaking in. Him and the rest of the linemen are trying to soak in everything that Austin's been trying to teach them. Um, but once they start doing that, Kurt Ritchie said Austin kept trying to get his mitts on Derek and keep him down there as another blocker and, and wanting to get his hands on him a little bit more. And he's like, hey, we got other things for him to do too. So – uh, kind of interesting um, on that dynamic, but that's only gonna only gonna help uh, uh, Williamsburg. And I've got to give a shout out to Grant Eckenrod as well. Uh, Eck, their longtime defensive coordinator, uh, one of the most fiery, passionate guys, also the head wrestling coach at Williamsburg. He is not part of the staff anymore. Kind of uh, enjoying his family a little bit in the fall. Um, so he's going to be kind of a spectator this fall. It'll be a different role, but for, for many years, Grant was, uh, the defensive coordinator there for a very aggressive and talented Williamsburg team and for teams. And, uh, uh, there'll be a changing of the guard there for Williamsburg defense, but I assume it's going to be pretty much the same there. Uh, and Williamsburg, you mentioned it right out of the gate. Uh, they have West branch at home. Um, and you went down to West Branch in the preseason. Um, it's going to be a, they're going to try to keep everything the same, but it's going to be different without uh, the late Butch Peterson uh, being on the sideline or in the press box. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, I mean, it, you can even kind of tell it at the practice I went to. It was, it was. Uh, you know, his aura is still, I, I could feel it, you know, it's still there. I mean, it's, it's going to be there. Um, no question. But, um, you know, the, the bears are wearing um, helmets with, instead of the bear script on one end, on one side, it's going to say Butch um, in honor of, of the late coach who passed away um, in the spring after battle um, with, with a, a blood cancer. 
um you know the uh is uh is assistant coaches um you know they 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 and you know Jake Stenberg their activities director they they kind of came to a conclusion that you know Butch was was kind of in on the planning for this season's team um when he passed and they wanted to honor him by making him the honorary head coach this season so um you know their their preseason questionnaire under head coach, it's listed Butch Peterson, 40th year, etc. Um, of course, those you know, for Ooh. official record keeping purposes, they won't be wins and losses that'll go on his record. It'll be um, John Hirschman, who's uh, you know kind of the de facto head coach now. But um, you know they they have a statue that's that's going up at uh, the Little Rose Bowl, Elephant Street Stadium, of Butch you know, with his arms crossed, which is, you know, the way that I think you always kind of remembered him, you know, yep. looking out onto the, to the field there. His hat and his arms crossed, yeah. yep. Exactly. Um, the family has started a, a memorial fund um, that will uh, help give a scholarship, uh, two scholarships annually to, to West Branch grad um, who heads on to college. And it also will give some money to, uh, the local food bank or, or food pantry there, uh, which is a great gesture uh, as well. But uh, I mean, it's 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 going to be tough. I mean, it's it's weird, certainly for everybody. Um, but I mean, the the system's in place. Um, that hasn't changed. Um, what's run offensively and defensively isn't going to change. Butch, you know, wasn't as as Coach Hirschman kind of. Uh, said when I talked to him that, uh, you know, Butch wasn't really actively an X's and O's guy as much in his later seasons as a coach as he was, you know, kind of the CEO, Kirk Ferentz type of, maybe type of role might be a, a pretty accurate comparison. Um, Marv Cook, another another guy, right, was more of a CEO type head coach that let his coaches do the coaching, uh, a lot of the coaching. So, I mean, that's not going to change. This team expects to win. Um, it probably will win as a number of returning players back up, up front in particular, a strong line, um, which is always important. Um, you know, finding some, some skill guys. I think they had four quarterbacks that were battling it out for the number one spot when I was there a couple weeks ago. So, um, but it's it's going to be a weird season, certainly for everybody there. Um, but you know, Butch is Butch is still their guy, still their coach, and and these Bears are are going to be, uh, I think, a pretty good football team in in one A. Well, uh, touch on the one uh, A and two A rankings here. Um... You mentioned West Branch. Uh, they come in at number nine, but uh, number one, it's Grundy Center with five first-place votes. Underwood, number two, with one first-place vote. Then you've got MFL Marmac, Sigourney Kyoto, South Hamilton, uh, Avoca, and Waterloo Columbus are tied for six. Then you've got Regina at eight, West Branch, Applington, Parkersburg, uh, Gazette area teams. Um, uh, 
in Class 2A include Monticello. Uh, they're number seven, and they open the, the season at uh, Mount Vernon, number one Mount Vernon in 3A. So that'll be a Not good yet. one. And of course, uh, yeah. Preston Reese, um, uh, leader there for Monticello. Um, they'll be banking on him, uh, a future Hawkeye as well. Very athletic, does a lot of uh, can do just about everything for uh, Monticello, but in two A, uh, number the first top ranked team Van Meter, which is two first place votes, and then Central Lion uh, GLR, uh, number two with four first place votes. Then they go Spirit Lake, Western Christian, Green County, West Lion, Carroll Kemper, Osage, West Marshall. Uh, in Class A. I think everybody's looking at uh, East Buck in the area to be really, really good. Uh, but number one is West Hancock with four first-place votes. Woodbury Central with two first-place votes. Then you've got the Buccaneers at number three, Linville Sully number four, Columbus Community number five, Southwest Valley six, Madrid, Nashville Plainfield, Lamar's Galen, St. Ansgar rounding out the top ten. Uh, other teams that have received – uh, first place votes, Mac Valley uh, with six, uh, North Lynn with one, and of course North Lynn goes to Alburnett, which is kind of an intriguing uh, game here uh, for week one for both of those, uh, even though neither one of them are ranked, both coming off uh, really good uh, seasons a year ago. And rivals, <laughs> they've yes. become good rivals, yeah. You know, and they're yeah. part of that three-way battle with East Buck last year. Uh, Albernet, I believe, moved up a class. But, uh, yeah, so uh, this would be a nice uh, haymaker of a, a game, I guess. Uh, one of those snot bubble kind of games, maybe. Uh, <laughs> new, coaching, new coaching staff at Albernet. So, you have that factoring in. Um Mason Betchin, the top running back for North Lynn last season, decided to to uh, not play football this year. He's going to concentrate on baseball, um, which is his passion, and uh, you know probably get ready for hoop season as well. So that puts a little little kink in North Lynn's plans for the season. But yeah, still always an entertaining affair in any sport when those two schools meet. You mentioned Grundy. Grundy moved up the, the Class A champ last year. Uh, it's moved up to 1A and has almost everybody back skill position-wise from last season. So going to be a tough out in, uh, you know, in that class, no doubt. And East Buck, as you mentioned, built um, with Fox. Uh, was it Taylor Fox, right, the young man who's committed to the University of Iowa up front for them. And, yep. um, and cousin yeah. of Ben Keeter, who was our athlete of the year now right? at Iowa. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. Uh, and then our uh, preseason poll in uh, eight-player, Gladbrook-Rhinebeck, the number one uh, team, they returned quite a bit. They received four-place votes, or four first-place votes. Uh, Caminita is number two. They received one first-place vote. Central City coming in at number three. Uh, Woodfield Mount Union, Southeast Ward, Moravia, Fremont Mills, Remsen St. Mary's, who has received one of the, the first place votes. The returning state champ or runner up? 
you remember? Uh, let's see. Remsen won. Remsen won it last year. Okay. Remsen won it last year. Um, that three four, uh, Winfield and Central City starting out right away. So many good games in week one. Built. All <laughs> yeah, the way right? up down five A all the way to to eight players. It's great. I'm really excited for this week one schedule. Really, really am. Uh, Lennox and Waco round out the top ten there in eight player. Um, and of course, uh, big big expectations for Central City. Uh, believe we have uh, a feature. Uh, maybe Ryan Plagenkuehl, uh put together a, a feature from Central City um, on our website, part of that preseason stuff. But big, uh, I think some big aspirations here for the Wildcats this year could be their best team ever. Yeah, you know, what a great job Matt Myers has done, um, you know, transitioning them and, and being the head coach up there. I mean, he was assistant coach Kennedy. He didn't know it, uh, a lick about eight-player football. <laughs> no, and he took over that head coaching job. And uh, it's become a program, a really good program. Uh, they've had success in the past. Um, they're, they're younger. Their youth teams are always very successful the middle school and it just kind of feeds up to, to the high school level. Uh, you know, um, Aiden Klosterman's a really, really good player for them, but it, he's just a start. I mean, they have a number of really good players and, um, you know, they're, they're going to be a factor in, um, in April, in a player, you know, I think this season. And uh, I think one other game they're playing right away is uh, Gladbrook Grimbeck and Don Bosco, if I saw right, are playing right away. Um, again, it just goes back to the schedule. So, man, let's kick this sucker off. I'm, I'm pumped, man. If I can get my voice back, battling COVID, if you <laughs> know, folks, sorry about it. Um, feeling better. Um, going to be out. Uh, my isolation ends today. Um, so we'll be out and about to, tomorrow night. Uh, masked up appropriately, of course. Well, I wish you, uh, continued, uh, healing. And stuff from that. I just want to remind everybody where where we will be on Friday. Jeff Johnson will be heading down to Iowa City West for that game against Iowa City Liberty. I will be at John Wall Field uh, to watch Prairie host Cedar Falls. Uh, Jeff Linder will be heading to uh, Mount Vernon um, to take in that uh, ranked battle between Monticello and the Mustangs. Um, Cody Klein. Uh, one of our correspondents will be at Kingston Stadium for the game between Dubuque Hempstead and Cedar Rapids, Washington. As we mentioned, Mike Condon will be at uh, Tiffin for the Marion Clear Creek Amana uh, Week One game, and then Brian Plagenkuehl will be at uh, is it Bob Brown Field? Yes, good call. In, good call. In Williamsburg. Okay, I'm trying to remember. I think it's uh, Bob Murphy Stadium, and then Brown Field. Um, uh, at Williamsburg uh, for that game with uh, West Branch. Uh, the remaining uh, Metro Iowa City games on the docket for week one, as we mentioned, Xavier heads to Waverly Shell Rock for that uh, uh, top 10 matchup. Uh, West Liberty at Regina. Uh, City High hosting Illinois Power Joliet Catholic. Linmar heads to Dubuque Senior. And then Cedar Rapids Jefferson. Uh, heads to Muscatine in week one. Um, a couple other games just to kind of 
mentioned Western Dubuque at West Delaware. Um, Bill Another Logan good. will uh, get us uh, a report from that game. That'll be a, uh, a big one there. Um, in Manchester, walk on and Decorah. Uh, that's a, a rivalry game. Um, those two uh, football programs, uh, that's a, a nice rivalry. Um, as well, to kind of kick things off. And then speaking of kind of territorial games, Benton Shellsburg and Benton Community uh, will face off here in, in week one um, as well. So I'd uh, like to thank you. Well, first, uh, give me a team. Do a pick that clicks here. Uh, out of those Metro and Iowa City schools, uh, uh, give me a, give me a winner. Um, I I'm gonna man. go out on I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna say Kennedy beats Dowling. Really? Okay. That's a big. That's a big limb. All big, right. <laughs> for a short one, I don't know what you want to say, but just a, uh, that's my upset special. Okay. All right. That's a. That's good. That's good. Um, boy. You know what? I, I'm going to throw something against the wall and hope it sticks. I'm not sure if it will. That's all we do here. So yeah. I, I know. I know. That's kind of the the routine. That's the given, really. You know what? I'm going to throw some love behind the Jayhawks here, mainly because I hope they kind of get some things going. I want to see Jefferson go down and get a win against Muscatine. I like that. I'm not not necessarily saying they will, but I'm saying I I, I kind of I want to see that, so that's the pick I'll take. I'll take I'll take Jefferson kind of getting uh, uh, an early season win, maybe. I like that. You know, hopefully. Um, any uh, any parting thoughts or, or words of wisdom here before we sign off of week one? Hydrate, everybody. Hydrate. <laughs> that's Players, goal, coaches, right? and fans, hydrate tomorrow night. And media members in press boxes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, on behalf of Jeff Johnson, our colleague, uh, Jeff Linder, Nathan Ford, the man behind the scenes that allows us to get on here and do this every week for you guys. Uh, we want to say thanks for watching. Uh, enjoy uh, the football coming up and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.